turn with me there to chapter 1. Our text this morning will be found in verses 4 through 10. We'll read that in just a moment or two. Jonah chapter 1, 4 through 10. Let me say that I am glad that you are here today. Um, It is an absolute joy. It is always, always, always a privilege to gather together, to lift up our voices, and now, Lord willing, to have our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our spirits spoken to and challenged through the full weight and truth of the Word of God. First thing, first thing we need to do is go before the Lord and pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we do come before you. And we can have a thousand thoughts just, just, just flowing and flooding our minds. Our prayer this morning is that all of those thoughts we put aside and that we would have one thought to behold our God, to behold you. We know that in and of ourselves, I certainly aware that we are unworthy apart from Christ. But I thank you, Lord, that it is because of Christ And when we put our faith and trust in his work that you have not only forgiven our sins, you have declared us righteous and and you have adopted us into your family, be your children. We just want to thank you for that. I, I want to thank you. Our heads are bowed as a sign of our submission to your authority. And now, right, right now, as we open your word and as we will read your words to us, as we will look at a subject that is hard for people to understand, why? I would pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself. That was just recently reminded by a dear brother that that God is able. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you are everything that you promised to be. Father, I would ask that you would speak to us, now individual hearts represented. I love, I love what you're doing in this, in this body of yours, this local church. But I, I am fully aware that there are many that are in the midst of struggles and storms. And God, I would ask that you in a very special way would, would through your spirit speak. May your word direct and may us, your children hear. Please guard my, the words of my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory and yours alone. We ask this in the strong and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. 
We are in a series um, um, called Jonah, the Sovereignty of God on Display. And we looked last week as we introduced it. It's a short book. It's a little book. Pages are still fluttering and trying to find it. It's hard to find almost towards the end of the Old Testament. It is considered a minor prophet. It's minor only because of its size, okay? Not because of content. It is a minor prophet, as I call it, with a major message. And if you recall last week, there is an overarching theme to this book. It's only four chapters, 48 verses long, but there's one theme. And please, please make sure you hear me on this. This theme is not a... a a moral redirect, okay? Don't do bad things. Don't disobey or you're going to get swallowed by a whale, okay? That's not what we're talking about. That is not the overarching theme. Remember this, okay? Jonah is not the star of the show. God is. God always was. God always will be. God is always clearly in control. The overarching theme to this book is that God in his sovereign rule loves the unlovable. God loves people that you don't even like to be around. Okay, God still loves them. God loves the unlovable and God has a plan to save them and in his grace, he allows you and I to have a little tiny part, a little tiny part of the fulfillment of his perfect plan. The tension is this, that, that God in his perfect plan chooses to use what? Imperfect people like you and I, just like Jonah is imperfect in order to accomplish God's will. But we know that when God has a plan, he, he has a plan to show grace and, and to save, in this particular context in Jonah, to save the people of Nineveh. And God spoke to Jonah. God said to Jonah, what? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That, that one phrase, that, that one phrase, the word of the Lord came, or the word of the Lord said, the word of the Lord spoken is used more than 2,000 times in the Old Testament alone. Something about the word of the Lord came to Jonah and, and God said, Jonah, I want you to go. I want you to go to those people that nobody else loves. They are wicked, evil people. God told Jonah to go. And Jonah said, no. Jonah said, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want to be part of this. Let's, let's pick up the narrative this morning. Jonah chapter 1, we pick it up in verse 4. Read down through verse 10. God said, go. Jonah said, no. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and, was, was, and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise! Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us, on, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? And what is your country? And of what people are you? And he, Jonah, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Oh, really? I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of of the Lord because he had told them. Two points I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. This is hard. This is hard for people to get, okay? Absolute truth. God does not just allow storms. He creates storms. God does not just allow hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, God does not just allow a tornado. God creates storms. Look at this. The Lord hurled a great wind. He like threw a great wind and there was a mighty tempest. Two kind of phrases that describe, this is no little matter here. Great wind, mighty tempest. The King James Version calls it a violent storm on the sea. Automatically, we don't have to go real far. I don't, think, I don't think I'm the only one who has a question here. Like, excuse me, excuse me. Doesn't God stop storms? Like, like, like isn't, isn't that, didn't God come into this world to save mankind? <coughs> excuse me, di- di- didn't God come to rescue Men and women, didn't God come to bring peace? Jesus in Christ himself says, peace, I leave with you and my peace I give to you. So doesn't God come to offer us rest and stillness and tranquility, not, not turmoil? It, it seems to make perfect sense. And you remember this several months ago, we were in the study in the gospel of Mark and we were looking at and learning from the ministry of Jesus. And we know the story, Mark chapter four, where they had shoved off, they had pushed off and they're in a boat going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and, and, and Jesus was asleep in the boat, <coughs> excuse me, and a mighty wind comes up, a storm starts and we know that it says that the disciples were terrified. The, the, the boat is, is pitching and, and the wind is blowing and waves are crashing in over the sides of the boats. The boat is filling up and they're terrified. Jesus is asleep. Jesus wakes up and he speaks and, and in absolute amazement, in amazement, the disciples, their, their mouths are like wide open and they stated, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
He rebukes them for their faithlessness, but what? We'll take the rebuke if we're safe in the, in, in, in the, in, in the boat. We love this story. Why? Because there was a really frightening storm and Jesus speaks and now everything is calm. In that case, Jesus, God stops a storm. But in this case, now in Jonah chapter one, we don't have God stopping a storm. We actually have God starting a storm. This is hard for us. The Prince of Peace. I come to give peace that the world doesn't understand. The Prince of Peace, the the everlasting Father, the great I am, hurls a great wind upon the sea. There was a mighty tempest. I want you to sit up. I want you to hear this. I, I want you to wake up. You have to understand that God does not just allow storms, but he actually creates storms for us to go through. Why is that? Why? You better hear me on this this morning because God is more concerned about your holiness than he is about your happiness. Hold on to that. He's not just sitting back like, oh no, it looks like a really bad storm out. No, 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 no. He creates them. Why? Because God is more concerned about you being holy than he is about you being happy. And we see that right here. We see this in this. Ever, 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 have you ever been at sea before? Have you ever been in a storm at sea before? For our 25th wedding anniversary, Wendy and I went on a cruise. Beautiful cruise ship. It was called the Brilliance of the Seas. The Brilliance of the Seas was 900, is 958 feet long. That's, th- that's more than three football fields long. It has... What, 2,501 passengers on it. It has a crew of 859 people. The brilliance of the seas has 12 decks. It stacks 12 stories high. There's nine restaurants. There's a helicopter pad. You can land a helicopter on the front of the ship. There was a rock climbing wall. There was a miniature golf course on it. 958 feet long, and yet, guess what happened in that November 2014? A storm hit, and we were reminded with all the Dramamine that we were pumping in us how tiny that ship is in the midst of a storm. I was reading this week about that actual ship, and and I didn't realize this, but just a couple years before we were on that, we were on it in 2014. I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad I didn't know this fact before I got on it. Listen to this: On December the 11th, 2010, brilliance of the seas had left Rhodes, Greece, on a six-port cruise to Alexandria, Egypt, and other stops around the Eastern Mediterranean. Isn't it interesting that if you recall, they got into the boat in Joppa. They're in the Eastern Mediterranean. They're heading west. It's the exact same area that Jonah was in. It says that they experienced some very high seas on this particular trip, 80 mile an hour wind gusts. And on that morning at 2.15 in the morning, it was reported that a cluster of ships 
rushing to enter the port of Alexandria that a freighter turned in front of Brilliance of the Seas, forcing the ship's captain, Eric Tengelson, to slow below the nine knots necessary to maintain the stabilizers of the ship. Brilliance of the seas, 958 feet long, started to pitch and to heel from port to starboard violently. So much so the passengers reported what? They were literally thrown out of their beds. Furniture had been tossed and slid around the staterooms. Two grand pianos broke free and they were demolished during the incident. Windows and mirrors were smashed and 138 people were injured. I'm glad I didn't know that before I boarded that ship. When they got to port, they interviewed a very seasoned captain and he says this, the healing incident lasted several minutes which the captain acknowledged that it had been quote a horrifying experience something tells me something just tells me that on this ship that Jonah was in there was no miniature golf course I'm just guessing you're you're talking about an absolutely horrifying time but remember what? Remember this. Just like Jonah, okay, Jonah is not the star of the show. God is. God was. God always will be. The storm is not the show, is not the star of the show either, even as big or as bad as it is. The star of the show is God. God has a desire for men and women to be saved. And God had a very clear plan that, that he would call his own prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh, this important and impressive, but this big, bad, wicked, evil city. I cannot describe to you. I will not speak the words in description of how just how wicked and how evil the Assyrians would do to people as, as far as what they would do in suppression it was beyond gruesome, beyond description. And yet Jonah was called to this place. What do we read? But Jonah. But Jonah had his own plan. God, God wants to get the full attention, Jonah. But Jonah had gone into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. In the midst of this storm, we have the sailors, seasoned, experienced sailors. It says that they were afraid. It says that they're crying out to their God. Notice the lowercase g. They're crying out to their God. It says that they're actually hurling cargo off the ship. You only load the ship with what it needs to go from A to B. And like, we, we don't need this. Let's get rid of this. We need as much buoyancy as possible. We're going to sink. We have the, the sailors that are terrified, throwing things off the ship, and you have Jonah who's gone down to the inner part of the ship, laid down, and was fast asleep. You know what's interesting is that seems like a pretty typical reaction of many in the midst of storm. Things are swirling about. Things are being tossed around. It is uncertain. It is unknown. It is dangerous. And you have some like those sailors that are in absolute panic. And then, you know what? You actually have some in the midst of the storm, and they are in complete oblivion. They are clueless. 
what's going on around them. I, I think the reaction here is similar to what happens as people today find themselves in the midst of storms. Number one, God does not just allow storms. He creates storms. Why? Number two, God uses storms to get our attention off of ourselves and on him. God will never waste a storm. You can be assured of that. Take very careful note of some of the words, some of the phrases that are used in this in this story to describe this particular storm. There is a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. It's creaking. It's rocking. It says that the mariners, the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their God, hurling cargo into the sea. This is a big, bad storm. And I am quite certain that these seasoned sailors are quite familiar with making this trek making this journey across the great sea. And yet they are absolutely in terror. Not not only do we see this storm get the full attention of the sailors, but God uses the sailors to get the full attention of Jonah. They are what? It's It's a all hands on deck moment. Okay, everybody has a job. We need everybody up here. I've never been on a little tiny wooden sailing ship in the middle of a storm before. Thankful that I've not. But I'm thinking like as waves are crashing, as the ship is pitching, they're bailing water. They're like tugging on ropes, soaking wet, freezing cold, terrified. And somebody says, hey, where's that loser we picked up in Joppa? How come he's not out here? Where's Dingbat? Look at this. It says that the captain himself went down. Boys, you stay here. I'll go get him. Ooh. The captain himself says, what do you mean, you sleeper? Translation, how in the world can you be sleeping right now? Arise. It's you trying to wake up your teenage son. Get up wake up remember the whole reason the whole reason for this storm is that jonah what but jonah jonah was running jonah knew full well his calling his commission he was to show and prove god's desire to save and to spare the wicked assyrians the ninevites jonah didn't want any part of it jonah didn't want that because in, in jonah's mind he's thinking whoa those people they're just too bad They are beyond saving. Jonah apparently thought that everyone else should be saved, but not them. What is Jonah doing? He's playing God. Really what he's doing. Guys, I think these ones deserve a message. And so I'll head there to tell them, but I'm I'm not going to tell. Why? Because they are apparently, apparently the Ninevites don't deserve God's grace. Apparently, they're too far gone. They're too wicked. They are beyond redemption, or, or so they thought. In addition to the fact that there's no doubt swirling through Jonah's mind, he knew how they treated subjects. He, he knew how the Assyrians treated people that they didn't like. 
And his job is to walk through the streets telling them, repent. Perhaps he's even scared for his own life. Pretty obvious right here that, that Jonah's not on the same page as God is. And now the sailors not only wake up Jonah, who's kind of like under there with a pillow over his head, just hoping this whole thing goes away. But, but now what do they, they not only wake up Jonah, but then they, 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 they encourage Jonah, they yell at Jonah, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. I can't help but almost see the humor in this. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us. Or Jonah's thinking, yeah, he'll give a thought to you, all right. That's, that's the response. You can be assured it was no surprise when they're like tossing dice up there in the middle of this storm, casting lots. It was no surprise to Jonah when he found out, oh, guess what? The cast, the, 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 the lots fell upon Jonah. Jonah knows. Remember a couple weeks ago, we finished up our five solas series. We talked about sola deo gloria, all glory to God alone. And we read from Romans chapter 11 in verse 36, it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The ultimate cause and reason for everything is God. Everything is dependent upon God. Every speck of dust that you see moving in the light, God arranges the movements. Everything. There is one origin. It is all from God. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, we talked about that. What the lot is cast, or the dice are tossed into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord, which means every dice roll in the entire universe falls according to and from the Lord. So in the midst of this storm here, even with what? Well, we think that God's plan is going south, like there's someone in disobedience Even in this, understand what? In Jonah chapter one, the glory of God is on display. The glory of God is in full view. Not only did this storm get Jonah's attention, but it got everyone's attention around him. Why? Because God does not and God will not ever, 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 ever waste a storm. I love these sailors. They, they very quickly figure out like something's not right here. We've been in some storms. We, we've been in this area for quite some time. Something's not right. And so what do they do? They, they literally, they pound out. They, they shout out no less than five questions. The wind is howling. They're soaking wet. They're, they're pulling on ropes. They're bailing. The whole ship is creaking. Ropes are straining. And yet they swat. They shout out, tell us, whose fault is this? There's Jonah. And then they just start. They just, they just start. What, what, what is your occupation? What, what, where, where do you come from? What is your country? Uh, what people are you? Like, what are you doing here? Who are you? Why is, why is our mess your fault. Finally, 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 Jonah speaks. Finally, Jonah speaks. 
And he says, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord. Someone perhaps could question how much he fears the Lord if he was in direct disobedience to the Lord. But he, he, he knew. He, he knew who's responsible for this. He knew who hurled the great wind. And it says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made heaven and earth, who made the seas and made the dry land. And, and I, I can't help but think this is where, this is where it is home with the sailors. Oh, the God who makes the dry land. We, we would mind a little bit of dry land right now. I'm sure that they're thinking that. And the sailors picked up. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. They were afraid because they were in the storm. But when they found out who's the one who created the storm, they were exceedingly afraid. Notice the difference there. They like downshifted. They were terrified. And they are far more terrified than they ever were before. For the men knew that he was fleeing, that he was running from the presence of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, no more of this little G, God stuff. They knew. How'd they know? Where'd this, where, where'd this journey originate from? Joppa, right? Didn't they get on, which is what? That's the land of the Hebrews. I have no doubt in my mind. Although these sailors apparently were unbelievers, they're praying to like lowercase g, God. I have no doubt that they are well aware that they have heard, okay, about the God of the Hebrews before, the one who created everything out of nothing by simply speaking it into existence. That's the God of the Hebrews. I, I, am, I, am, I am certain that they have heard something about what? Oh, that God, that's the one who's responsible for the great flood, the flood of the entire earth. They heard the stories that that's... The God of the Hebrews, that's the one who's responsible for the 10 plagues in Egypt. The freedom. The God of the Hebrews, isn't that the one who parted the Red Sea so they could walk by on dry land? They heard these stories. They knew about the victories of Joshua. They heard about that little shepherd boy. Like, it didn't make any sense for him to defeat the giants. Oh, oh. That's when they become exceedingly afraid. All as a result of being reminded of who's in charge. Two things we conclude with this evening, very important for us to learn from. And number one is this, know that a storm can and should test us. A storm can test us. Where is your faith? When it looks big and bad out there, when it is cold and and the waves are crashing and the boat is filling up, where's your faith? There's no doubt that God called Abraham as he's taking his young son, Isaac, to the top of Mount Moriah, that there's a little bit of a test going on here. Like no, no dad wishes for that. No doubt. That David, okay, as he's camped out in the Valley of Elah, when you think about the whole fact that there's this big, 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 big giant that is terrifying everyone. And, and in a sense, David's faith is tested. 
James talks about the fact that we will have, James chapter 1 and verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial when he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. If, if we know that God creates storms and God never wastes a storm, then you can be certain the fact that although some of you at this very, very minute are in the midst of a storm, you are facing illness, someone in your family is facing sickness or cancer, you've lost a loved one, they're no longer here, you, you don't enjoy their presence because they're gone, they died. You've suffered abandonment suffered abuse, financial just ruin, uncertainties. Your family's an absolute wreck. Your marriage is in trouble. And like the winds are blowing and the, the waves are crashing in. You're in the midst of it. In that moment, you ask, well, where is your faith? What is your faith in? Who is your faith in? God is completely sovereign. God is completely in control. In the midst of those storms, learn that it can test us. Or what? Or what? Secondly and finally, in conclusion, a storm can turn us. A storm should turn us if we're facing the wrong direction. I want to give the story away, but we, we, we know by the time we get to Jonah chapter 3, it says what? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, and he went to Nineveh. That God used this circumstance to turn him. Spend some time, read the book of Judges in chapter 2, in chapter 10, in Judges chapter 21, where the Israelites are in absolute just wrecked, ruined because of the disobedience. And they come as a result of what? As a result of bloodshed. And storms, they turn. Sad that it's not sustained anywhere alone. But a storm reminds us every single time of how small we are and how big God is. And I am certain in the midst of this that God is not wasting any storm. What to do in the midst of that? Christina Fox, a contributing author with the Gospel Coalition, offers, offers a couple uh, reminders for us in closing in the midst of the storm. Number one, affirm God's sovereignty. Just, just affirm that he is in absolute control. We believe what, what we believe about God's sovereignty plays a significant role in how we face the storms and the suffering of everyday life. Do, do, you, do you believe and trust that God is in absolute control of everything that happens? And do you honestly trust that God uses all circumstances, what? For our good and for his glory. Do you believe that? You affirm God's sovereignty in the midst of the storm. Another thing is what? Study the word. Some people, and I know of them, it is looking pretty bad out there. So they are so tired, they're so frustrated. So they, they close up God's word, they put it aside, and they're like, I'm going to get through this on my own. Absolutely, absolutely the worst thing that you can ever do. A storm f- should force you to study the word, to get into the word, know what the Bible says about trials and about suffering. Why do they exist? So that God is glorified. How should we respond in absolute submissive obedience? How does God actually use suffering in our lives for his glory? We see that. We need to study that. Learn about his character. 
makes a big difference in understanding who God is. Thirdly, memorize scripture. Committed to memory so many times in my life. I've been terrified, woke up in the middle of the night and I have a whole list of things I could be worried about and God comes flooding, God, God's word comes flooding to my mind. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world the book of Job, that whole long chapters that talk about, were, were you there, Boger? Were you there when I created the universe? Were you there when I laid its foundation? No. Trust me. Those words, you study the word and you memorize the word will come flooding to you at that exact moment. Fourthly and finally, pray. We, we need to develop an active Prayer life. I believe we have to develop an active prayer life during the calm times, the, the, short, the short peaceful seasons in our life to prepare us for those other times. I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed to be surrounded by so many good and godly men. I'm so grateful for our elders. As we prayed together, we talked about the fact that we together as a church, we are to advance for God's glory standing of his kingdom, we're going to advance on our knees in prayer. Even to know that tomorrow night, we live in a community that the community is so, so discouraged and there's a sense of defeated attitude because of the condition of our school system. People have been burdened. Let's just call. Let's come together. Let's just pray. Pray in the midst of the storm. Being reminded us what God is able, that he is sovereign in all things. Next week, Dr. Gray talks about what? We're to pray without ceasing. We never stop. Our first response is, is to go to the Lord in prayer, not wait for the, for the ship to be filling up. Praying constantly. Firm God's sovereignty. Study the word. Memorize scripture. Pray. Why? Because the storm can test us storm can turn us. God will never, ever, 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 ever in his sovereignty waste the storm. He creates them for our good and for his glory. May we be reminded of that today. Father, we love you. Even perhaps as clouds are forming over us at this very minute that we are not aware of. We have no idea what tomorrow will hold. We have no idea the phone will ring in the middle of the night tonight. And you call us into another storm. God, perhaps because there's some that have been running from you. I pray, Lord, that they would hear and heed your word. We're grateful that you use us as imperfect people to be, to be part of your perfect will. Thank you for your grace, your love, and the patience for us. We thank you most, most of all for your son that you offered on our behalf who died so we can live, who was sacrificed so we can be forgiven. Thank you for that. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.